0: It's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 83 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing. We try and find interesting guests to have on our show. Today's no exception, but it's always Kathleen's job. So I will first introduce our co-host, Kathleen. Hi, Kathleen. How are you?
1: Hi, Peter. I'm doing great today. Thank you so much. And thank you all so much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And we love reading your comments. So do please keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you're enjoying our shows, please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And as Peter mentioned, we do have a very special guest with us today. Um, His name is Dave. Braden, welcome, Dave.
2: Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, Dave, uh, you're a business consultant. Uh, you are the president of Spice Catalyst, and we'll get into the services in a little bit. But you have a very distinguished career working for organizations such as Apple and HP. Can you tell our audience a little bit more about yourself and your background and what led you into um, working with Splice, with Spice Catalysts?
2: Well, I, I grew up in Detroit during the, the go-go years of the 50s and 60s, went to the University of Michigan. And by the time I got there, because I was a, a cadet in the Civil Air Patrol, I had my private pilot's license. Uh, so at age 18 at, at a big school like Michigan, where I was majoring in aerospace engineering, they did not have a flying club. So I started the flying club there. And as of today, it's uh, trained over 5,000 pilots worldwide. Uh, Many of the, all the major airlines have had pilots that have come out of my flying club, including the the head of the Blue Angels.
1: Really? Uh, Oh, wow.
2: Wonderful. My sophomore year, uh, the head of the aerospace engineering department, Wilbur Nelson, noticed that I knew how to manage and lead. So he asked me if I wanted to start a national student organization in favor of the American supersonic transport and not having any idea of what I was getting myself into. Uh, by the time I was done with my uh, sophomore year in college, I had uh, chapters, 45 chapters on uh, the nation's uh, campuses around, uh, around the US and I was raising money and had three people working for me by my junior year in college. Uh, After graduating in interdisciplinary engineering, which is a a lead-in to uh, product management, which is what I I teach uh, worldwide, uh, including at Cisco and at the IIML Management School in in India, uh, I moved the headquarters of uh, that organization uh, to Washington, D.C. and then lobbied Congress for a space shuttle, which I was successful in getting and uh, also lobbied Congress for energy independence and uh, a shifting to alternative energy for which I was an abysmal failure. (laughs) Uh, So after uh, my tour of Washington politics, I went to Minnesota as the executive director of the Environmental Balance Association and pioneered or helped pioneer the field of environmental mediation and personally Mm -hmm. mediated some disputes, uh, some of the largest environmental disputes at the time. Mm Uh, after that, uh, I ran John Connolly's presidential campaign for the state. Oh, of yeah. oh wow. And that was after I ran uh, the uh, al gubernatorial campaign. He asked me to take it over with about three weeks to go, and we ended up winning by uh, uh, 10 percentage points. Wow. And took a, we were behind by 20 percentage points. And the pollster that I used on the project was a fellow by the name of Roger Ailes, who uh, uh, later went on to start uh, Fox News. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never, never met the guy, but uh, anyway, that's that's my claim to fame at Fox News. Uh, Hewlett Packard then hired me, moved me out from Minnesota to California, to help them with citing new facilities and handle Dave Packard's uh, personal PR uh, as a as the chairman of the board. Uh, and, uh, introduced word processing in the uh, PR department because that was the only department in the company that knew how to uh, uh, type. And that enabled me to move over into product management at the network uh, Networks Division uh, Office Systems uh, at HP. Got trained as a product manager there, which turned out to be pretty much the same kinds of things I've been doing is uh, it's a disciplinary technically trained manager or disciplinary engineer and the things that i've done in washington and in minnesota where you have to mediate disputes between the different functions of a company in order to make a uh, product successful uh, apple learned about me and they recruited me to bring the first hard disk drive to market uh it was a very very large hard disk drive first one on a, uh, on a pc it was an enormous size of five megabytes and it was <laughs> It only cost $3,500 uh, but they sold like hotcakes because you needed the more space for accounting purposes if you did your accounting uh, on your personal computer as opposed to a timeshare system which was available for small business at the time. Uh, they noticed I knew how to manage there so they asked me to take over the Apple 3 product line Uh, They wouldn't give me the title of of business uh, or general manager. They called me the business unit manager or bum for short. (laughs) Uh, Made enough uh, profit in order to help finance uh, the development of Steve Jobs' beloved uh, Macintosh. So at that time I was at the same management level in the organization. I was responsible for about a third of the company's uh, uh, revenues and uh, about uh, uh, two thirds of the profits because my profit line was much more profitable than uh, uh, the Apple II was. And since then I've gone on to work for uh, market research firms, did a number of startups, Got credited in 2003 for having invented advertising on cell phones. So if you don't like advertising on your cell phone. You're
0: <laughs> we know you blame.
2: To, <laughs> about wow. 10 years, I started teaching others product management and doing uh, product management and product marketing consulting uh, worldwide. My number one client is Cisco. I've trained about half of all the product managers at Cisco throughout the world, including in India and in Shanghai and in, and, and in Europe.
0: Wow, very good. That is amazing. What a background. But I know that you you've got a pet project, and I'm going to ask you about that. And that's by you've identified five keys to product success. So tell our audience what they are and why they're important, please, David.
2: Well, it starts with the mnemonic spice, which of course is the first word of the uh, catalyst. The S stands for strategy. You need to have a product market strategy. Uh, which consists of understanding what is it that your customer wants to do and that they're currently unsatisfied with getting done. That's uh, called outcome-based innovation or uh, uh, jobs to be done. Uh, That results then in a value proposition for the product, for the customer. Uh, Then uh, understanding the market, understanding your competition, resulting in product uh, positioning and also understanding the persona of who's gonna buy the product, who's gonna use the product and so forth. Then you can identify your target markets, your market segments, uh, figure out how you're gonna penetrate the market, uh, and then your distribution training, support and service strategies, and your pricing strategy. All of that together is the product market strategy. And I've got a, a course up on Udemy, which is online, uh, which teaches that. That's what I teach in a two day course uh, at Cisco. And it's available for companies if uh, they want it, it delivered to them, either virtually now or after uh, the virus is uh, gone uh, in person. Uh, the second uh, uh, part of it is the P, and that's the people in the organization. Uh, I've identified in the books that I've written uh, and the studies that I've done that a company needs about 130 uh, competencies or skill sets in order to have a successful product. And it's important that the people be trained. Uh, The I stands for information. Uh, You gotta have information available to the product manager uh, so that they can monitor the product's uh, success or lack thereof in the marketplace. And information about where the market is, where it's going, what what the impediments are and so forth. Uh, The C is uh, to have uh, open communication uh, between all of the people on the team so they get along. Uh, and the E is to have uh, the enterprise support uh, the overall product success as opposed to uh, fighting within itself over uh, encouraging the product's uh, success. So anyway, I go into great detail in this book. Let's see is it going to show up here. Probably not with the blue screen. There we go. There we go.
1: Can you, can you mention the title?
2: Yeah, it's Building Insanely Great Products. And okay. it's available up on Amazon. Excellent. So that goes Excellent. into more detail. Uh, the keys to product success. And then I have a, a little pamphlet that I wrote here, which is only 796 pages long,
1: <laughs> which is published,
2: uh, published by uh, Wiley. Uh, and it's called uh, Successful Product Design and Management Toolkit. And that too is also uh, up on Amazon. It's uh, very expensive, it's $10 as only the Indians would price things cheaply. <laughs> And then my third book is this one. I feel like Vanna White. That's Uh, all right. Organizing and Managing Insanely Great And this is for managers of uh, product lines, VPs of product management. Uh, And it goes into how to organize and manage uh, a successful product. Wonderful,
1: my goodness. My hat's off to you for, so I, for
0: I've got to jump in really quickly. And how did you, with everything else you did and you're flying and you're organizing, how did you get time to write three huge books like that?
2: Oh, I, I wrote these all in the last four years.
0: Wow. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Back to you, Kathleen. So,
1: so Dave, you estimate that 40% of all new products and services fail where right. what's the problem is it in market research is it the planning is it the implementation The finance the marketing why why is that
2: it could be all of those things mm-hmm. It's lack of having the spice the lack of having the strategy lack of having the information lack of having the trained competent competencies and people and so and so forth uh frequently it's in the implementation uh, uh, I, the, the bottom line key thing uh, is talked about by uh, Tony Ulrich from uh, uh and Tony uniquely enough was a manufacturing engineer on the IBM PC junior when I was the, when I was the bum at Apple. And uh, he, his work is based upon the outcome based innovation in books from a Harvard professor. Uh, and he has identified that you've got to have 15 unmet needs that your product satisfies before the product can be successful. If you can't identify 15 unmet needs, uh, then the product is not gonna be successful. And uh, so you wait for your product until the need is there, uh, that these unmet needs are not being satisfied. And then you go into the, what the Boston Consulting Group calls a cash cow, uh, beginning to obsolete the product when there's lots of competition that's uh, satisfying those unmet needs. So in my example of the uh, cell phone advertising in 2003, there was no uh, demand for such a product or a service. Uh, so I was unsuccessful. I talked to about 200 venture capitalists. They couldn't understand cell phones, advertising, and uh, 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 I put them together to see, uh, today it's well over a $15 billion a year industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was early to the market uh, because I, had not, I did not wait until those unmet needs were there.
0: Right, right, right. But is there, just following up on that, is there not a danger that if you wait too long, someone else will get there first?
2: Being first doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be the most successful. Sure, true. Uh, a classic example of that is is uh, Apple. Yeah. Uh, they're not first to market on everything, uh, or on many things now. They wait till the market is big enough for them to jump in.
0: True, true.
2: Um, there, are, there was a company in Japan called Matsui, In the late 80s, they waited until the CD-ROM market was really big. And because they had lower cost, higher quality manufacturing than any other company in the world, they were able to jump in and then dominated and got the largest market share. Right. Right.
0: Because they've got a good chance of getting high levels of sales straight away, as opposed to the first person in where the needs have not been identified, Right. Right. Okay, good one. So I've got one for you. Apart from the five keys and market positioning, if we talk about the people who are successful and the people who fail, what's the key, in your opinion, the key personal characteristic or mindset, or is it a competency that separates the the successes from the
2: failures? Uh, Warren Buffett talked about this just a week or two ago. And he says the most successful managers at the most successful companies are ones that have leaders that have empathy. For their employees, uh, for their uh, relationships, uh, for their customers, mm-hmm. uh, so that's the key: is to have empathy for your customers.
0: Mm. Interesting, interesting. Wow, thanks for that.
1: And and Dave, from all of your years at Apple and HP, what was the most important? What were the most important lessons that you learned?
2: Um, I think it's to, uh take control of your own destiny Mm -hmm. uh, and and exercise it. Um, I had just been asked to be the group product manager for the Apple III and the executive committee uh, went off to a management retreat in Monterey and canceled my product line. And about a week later, I was walking by the corporate offices and uh, John Skelly who was president at the time asked me to come in to meet with him. Uh, And uh, Ida Cole who went on to become the uh, VP of international for Microsoft. Um, a fellow by the name of uh, uh, Dal Yocum, who was head of manufacturing at the time, later became president of Apple, and uh, the uh, CFO. And he was holding a spreadsheet in front of him, which he had gotten off of my Apple III product. Mm-hmm. Said He says, Dave, we have a problem. We've got uh, $20 million worth of piece parts of the Apple III spread between our manufacturing facilities in Dallas and in Singapore. What should we do? And I said, "What do you mean, we pale face?" And he didn't laugh because he didn't know the joke. And the joke is uh, uh, on the television show The Lone Ranger, That's which right. is a white guy that galloped around with one silver bullet on a white horse with a mask. I think they had COVID back then. <laughs> his sidekick was a, was an Indian named Tato. Tonto. So what I- tell this story to people from India or of Indian descent, or if I ever tell the story, story to Kamala, uh, uh, I have to say it's an American Indian, not an Indian Indian. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're surrounded by 10,000 yelling, screaming American Indians in the desert of Arizona. And the Lone Ranger turns to Tato and says, Tato, what should we do about this? We're surrounded by 10,000 yelling, screaming Indians and all they want to do is kill us. And Tato says, what do you mean we, pale face? <laughs> Yeah. So uh, Scully said, well, what should we do about it? I said, well, you hold me responsible for getting everything done on the product line, but I have no authority. Give me the authority. And uh, he says, why should we do that? I said, well, a friend of mine back from my SST days was a fellow by the name of Kelly Johnson, who was the head of Lockheed's, uh, Lockheed's Skunk Works, which developed the XR71, the X15, and so forth. And he, being out in the desert of uh, California, could develop an advanced aircraft in about 18 months while at uh, Lockheed, it would take them seven years to get things done. And I told him the story of the soul of a new machine from uh, a mini computer group that sent their engineers to Raleigh-Durham from Boston. And they developed a mini computer, an advanced one at record time. And I told him the story of IBM. Uh, sending their team as far away from uh, uh, New York as they could where the world headquarters were for IBM. So that's how the IBM PC ended up at Boca Raton, Florida. They just wanted it in the same time zone. Okay. And they, they copied the Apple II's successful points and came out with the, the IBM PC. And uh, Scully says, yeah, I, I agree with that because uh, when he was president of Pepsi America, uh, and lived in uh, Connecticut, his next door neighbor was from Xerox. And he asked his next door neighbor at a party that was before COVID, uh, whether, <laughs> why, why Xerox doesn't have uh, a personal copier. He says, uh, Scully says, I have a personal copier and it's on my desk uh, in my office. And uh, the Xerox president says, yeah, I know. Canon put their 10 best engineers on it. They're shipping. We put a hundred of our best engineers on it. We're still a year away from shipping. Wow. Um, Which proves beyond a shadow of doubt that Xerox could never do anything original. (laughs) Uh, So he uh, said, make me a proposal. So I made a proposal to uh, 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 the executive committee Uh, July 15th, 1983, that will live in infamy, at least in my mind. And uh, the key question that came up in the meeting was, should we shut the product line down or should we keep the product line going? And one of the people on my staff, uh, Maxine Graham, suggested that when we laid out the alternatives, uh, like a balance sheet, that one of the ways we should rate the alternatives is against the values of Apple. Um, And the canceling of the product line would be not good management. Good management is one of the values of uh, Apple. Another value is empathy for the customers. Another is uh, consideration for the employees and so forth. So Floyd Kwame, uh, who later went on to become a venture capitalist and then the technology advisor to George uh, Bush. um, He said, Dave, if a dealer calls you and we've shut down the product line, what would you say? Or if we allow you to take it off as an independent business unit, uh, what would you say to the dealer? I said, well, if you let me take it off and give me full authority commensurate with the responsibility, I would tell the dealer that we will continue to support, and develop the product line as long as you, the dealer, continue to sell it. And when you stop selling it, then we'll consider uh, shutting it down. But if you guys decide to shut the product line down now, I'll give that dealer your phone number, Floyd. (laughs) So they all knew canceling the product line at that point, for no real reason whatsoever, it was successfully selling and making money uh, for the company, would have been abhorrent to the company's values, and they made the right decision. And that is the key thing that I see in terms of uh, a company's overall success, do they have values and do they follow those values? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought if, if that's true about product success, what about personal success? So when I was writing uh, Building Assailant Great Products, I uh, said, I, I made a list of the 25 organizations I've been associated with over the years. And I uh, and had three columns, did they have values? Did they follow the values? A lot of them have values, but they don't follow them. Like Volkswagen has a beautiful set of values which would have prevented that diesel uh, emissions scandal. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But they didn't follow them, uh, for their own personal individual profits. And then did the values of the company, if they followed them, how did that map into mine? Well, the five out of 25 organizations I've been affiliated with, um, I thrived. I was happy there. The other 20, I either quit or got fired, and I was happy the day after, sort of like a person. <laughs> and... Uh, a friend of mine that used to manage my condo, which is that view behind me in, in Maui, um, he was a vacation rental manager, moved to Northern California, and I told him about that. And he went out and had a job interview uh, in the city, and uh, they ended up talking about values for four hours, and he ended up getting hired. So I always encourage people uh, to uh, take a look at the values of the organization. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. in I also use that as an investment criteria for, for any stock that I buy.
0: Right very right. good, very good, so <clears throat> we've got to be a little careful of time, so David, please tell the audience the range of services you offer in your organization and um, and what you can do for them
2: yeah i uh, we teach i've got myself and two other instructors, one in India uh, who teaches in India and in mm-hmm. Europe, and another uh, instructor who's one of my former uh, clients, uh, uh, Dean Stewart at uh, Uh, from Diebold. He's retired from Diebold. And we have a series of courses starting with uh, enhancing product success, understanding what your customer does, uh, value proposition, innovation, and design thinking. That's a one-day course. And then there's a two-day course on uh, product market strategy and the things I mentioned earlier, uh, covering them in detail with workbooks. And The workbooks from all these courses are also up on Amazon. The third course we have is uh, Fundamentals of Marketing, for those people that don't understand what the fundamentals are. And then there's a social media uh, marketing course also. Uh, So we teach those courses in person, virtually, or you can uh, buy them online at Udemy. Uh, The books that I have go into more detail. And then I provide product management and product marketing consulting uh, to companies around the world.
0: And you, you also act as a mentor for companies, which is a little different from straight consulting, correct?
2: Correct. Excellent. And also, very, very good. also mentor in individuals that, that want to get into the field. Okay. Interesting. Excellent.
1: My goodness. Well, um, well, we're just going to mention those two books again, and we will put links um, to those books so people can purchase them. So that was Building Insanely Great Products and right. Organizing and Managing Insanely Great Products. Oh, there we go. There we go.
2: And there was and a third that, book. And the third book, successful product design and management uh, workbook uh, from uh, uh, Wiley.
0: Okay, Wiley, that's the pamphlet,
2: right? Well, that's the short, seven hundred ninety-six page.
0: Pamphlet. Yeah, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> I've got it. I know we're going to be running out of time in a moment, but quick one. Um,
2: do you still fly? Yes, I do. Uh, I teach uh, for the uh, Stanford Flying Club every now and then.
0: And what, what's your favorite small plane, light aircraft that you do fly?
2: Um, I used to own a Cessna 210, which mm-hmm. is a turbocharged um, uh, 300 horsepower, six passenger. Um, the Flying Club has the Cessna 162, which is, uh, a, a, I forget what they call it, an experimental lightweight uh, aircraft. Uh, has no stability whatsoever, so I hate that thing. Uh, <laughs> Cessna 172 is good, Cessna 182 is good. Uh, Piper aircraft are good. Uh, there's a whole bunch of brand new ones out there now.
0: In right, fact, I, did,
2: I just flew an amphibian uh, uh, experimental aircraft, uh, took off and landed in the uh, San Francisco Bay near the Dumbarton Bridge.
0: Yeah, interesting. <laughs> my my claim—I got to tell you very quickly to make you laugh—that um, my claim to fame with light—I lived in Africa most of my life, so I had quite a lot of experience of flying in. Uh, were a couple of Learjets, King Air was quite a few times. And then I did a seven-hour journey in a little Mooney four-seater single engine across the Indian Ocean to the Comoros Islands. And uh, the pilot gleefully told me about halfway across, he said, you know, I've worked out the uh, glide path of this craft and we're, we're flying at 15,000 feet. So we're only at risk of landing in the water for about half an hour in the middle of this trip, you know. Before that, we can turn around and glide to Africa. After that, we can turn, we can carry on and glide into the Qumors, he says, but I'm telling you, it's gonna be tricky landing next to a volcano with no power. So I, that's always stuck in my mind. But I think the Mooney was recognized as quite a good little aircraft, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I had a Mooney when I lived in uh, uh, Minnesota. Uh huh. Yeah. In fact, I flew the the governor uh, candidate Al Cui and the lieutenant governor candidate Lou Amberg uh, to campaign events throughout the state.
0: There you go. There you go. Uh, <coughs>
2: before, I, before I left Washington, I took up gliders, so I've got uh, several hours of gliders, and then about ten years ago, I started flying hot air balloons.
0: Oh, really? Oh. Wow! <laughs> wow! Quite an adventure. Yeah, we're going to be running out of time. So, your your website. Tell our, tell our listeners your how they can get onto your website, do
2: it's uh, spicecatalyst.com. And my contact information is there email, LinkedIn profile, uh, Twitter handle. And um, uh, so you can go there. My phone number is there too. Um, and uh, or it's uh, my email is simply dave at spicecatalyst.com.
0: Okay, we'll put all that on there for you. And we put the book titles there, certainly. Well, we're just about out of time. David, from me, thank you very much. It's uh, really great to hear you and your adventurous life and very full life. And I think just your story is a lesson in and and of itself is uh, take those opportunities and run with them. So thank you. And now I'll hand back to Kathleen. (laughs)
1: well yes Dave you've been an absolute delight and I I love hearing about your adventures so thank you so much for joining us today and thank you all so very much for joining our uh, tuning into our show we so appreciate you and we love reading your comments so do please keep them coming and if anyone out there is interested in becoming a guest on our show please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself and if you're enjoying our shows please don't hesitate to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye.